As I said earlier, this morning we're continuing uh, our series just on the back of our 2022 motto text, which we introduced in January. Uh, we looked a little bit at it again last week, uh, but for these next three weeks, we're going to be sitting in uh, this idea of what does it look like to follow Jesus. And particularly, we're going to look at what does it look like to follow Jesus at different stages of your life. So today we're going to look at the excitement of beginning the journey, Okay. Now, I know some of you uh, don't feel you're beginning, but there are some of us who still feel we're just starting, to be honest. Um, and some of you, maybe you haven't begun yet. And uh, today I want to just explore the excitement of beginning. Next week, we're going to look at the struggle in the middle, okay? And then the, th- uh, the third one is the potential of the end, okay? So if you feel in that category, then please don't miss that one, will you? If you're feeling like it's coming to an end... Uh, don't miss that one, okay, because that's going to be the crucial one for you, uh, the potential of the end. That A lot of us are sitting in the struggle in the middle, aren't we? Just me, obviously, again. But, well, I'm preaching to myself, which is fine. But uh, today I want us to think about the excitement of beginning. And for those of us who have been on the journey for a bit of time, I want you to remember the excitement of beginning this journey. Now, I'm guessing, looking at you, although it's probably only me again, uh, that you have started many things in your life. Is that true? Have you started doing things in your life, you know? You've taken up a hobby, perhaps, you know? Or some, something sporty you've started. Or a DIY project that you've started. Or you've started writing a book. Um, or there's all sorts of things. You've started watching a film or you've started a journey. All sorts of things we get started, don't we? And it always starts with great anticipation and great excitement, a sense of achievement that that thing that you thought you were going to start 50 years ago, you finally started. And you are so excited about where this might lead. Just tell the person near you something that you have started in your life, okay? Maybe tell them when you started it, okay? Okay. Let's, uh, the trouble is with starting a conversation, it never ends for some of you, does it? I know. Has anybody started writing a book, by the way? I'd love to know. Anybody started? Yes. Two, three, oh, four, four people, five people started writing a book. That is fantastic news. I'd love to read it, by the way. That would be fantastic. I'd love, love to read it. Anybody started a DIY project recently? Yes, one or two of you. Yes, okay, very good indeed. Uh, anybody got stuck once they started something? Yes. So has anybody stopped writing a book? Yes, several of you. Yes, I can see that. All at the same, the same people, actually. Anybody stopped a DIY project and it's still there? Yeah. And it's staring you in the face, isn't it? And somebody reminds you, when are you going to finish that DIY project, project that you started 10 years ago? When are you going to start it? And I don't know about you, but one of the experiences of moving house, we haven't moved house a great deal, but when we moved here, which is, wow, almost three years ago, actually, next Saturday, actually, three years since we moved here, that's a crazy thought, isn't it? One of the tasks when you move houses that you have to clear the loft, don't you, in the garage, yeah? You've, you've all done that when you've moved house? 
Yeah, some of you are really looking forward to doing it next time you move house, aren't you? And what happened, certainly for me, when I went into the loft to, to, to sort of see what was in there, my failures stared me in the face. They were all there. All the things that I'd stopped doing in my life. And they like taunted me as I went into the loft to see what it was that we should take with us. Tennis rackets, snooker cues, badminton rackets, cricket bats, running shoes, rolls of wallpaper, books that I'd never finished, DVDs I couldn't be bothered to finish, nostalgic reminders all shut away in the dark because I didn't want them to taunt me anymore until the day when you move house. Because starting things is really exciting, isn't it? When that first flush of new beginnings, of new things that are beginning to happen, and you start with excitement and exuberance and expectation because this is going to transform your life. You hope that this is going to change everything. And then after a few days or a few weeks or maybe months or some of us get to a few years, we'll shut them away and lose that sense of excitement and exuberance and expectation once again. And I wonder if that is how it feels when it comes to following Jesus. Whether that excitement and that exuberance and that expectation somehow begins to wane. And we lose that fresh sense of that call. Come, follow me, Jesus says. And as Jesus called his first followers, their ready response does sort of bristle with that sense of excitement of something new beginning. We thought last week about, you know, uh, Simon and, and Andrew left the nets. James and John left their nets immediately for this new beginning that Jesus called them, invited them to be on. Matthew sat in his tax collector's booth, got up straight away and followed Jesus. There was that excitement and exuberance and expectation that here was something new that we could give our lives to now, that everything was changed from now on. And all of them had names. Have you noticed that? How in the Bible, everyone gets a name. Because, funny enough, they have a name. Simon, that just means the one who hears. And on that day, on that seashore, his name came into full fruition. Because he heard the call of Jesus, come, follow me. Andrew, his name means strong man. But suddenly he realized that actually strength wasn't in his physique or in what he did. Strength was going to come from the one that he followed, from the call of Jesus on his life. And Matthew means gift of God. And here, right in front of him, was the fulfillment of that gift that he hadn't particularly realized until that moment. But now this was beginning, the excitement of that beginning of following. And what was the vision Jesus gave them? that excited them so much, let's go and catch people. Let's go and catch people. And that's what all it took for them to start this journey of what it looks like to be a follower, to be a disciple, a learner, an apprentice of Jesus. That was something they could give their lives to. 
Now, I'm sure some of you are so excited about your DIY project that you'll give your life to get it finished. You'll give your life to that book that still has some blank pages waiting for you to fill it. But here's a call, Jesus' call, to give your life to follow him, to go and catch people, to catch people in your neighbor, to catch people in your workplace. Whatever it is that God has called you to and placed you in, that's the vision that he gives you today. It's the fresh and always constant vision that excites us about this opportunity for new beginnings. And imagine what it looked like for those first followers. You know, just, you've read the Gospels. I mean, they got up and followed him, and then what begins to happen? They watch supernatural healings occurring in their presence. They listen to the most radical teaching that they had ever heard in their lives. They saw the power of Jesus to calm the sea, to exorcise demons out of those who were possessed. They heard time and time again the unconditional offer of forgiveness for all who would turn and follow. They witnessed the dead coming back to life. You know, this is excitement of what it looks like to follow Jesus. It seemed like some free-flowing journey when they got up the next day. They didn't have a clue what was going to happen, but they were excited that something was definitely going to happen that would continue this journey for them. They didn't call the shots. They didn't plan the occasions. They had no say in what Jesus was going to do next. But they were delighted to be included and involved in this incredibly exciting beginning of the journey that he called them to. That sounds like an adventure, doesn't it? I don't know what time your alarm clock's going off tomorrow morning. I guess it's already set, is it? What if we wake up to it and it's like, wow, this is an adventure, isn't it? Imagine those disciples setting their alarm clocks and wondering what's going to happen next. This excitement of this beginning of following Jesus. And then the beautiful thing is, and this is where it all went a bit crazy, is that then Jesus invites them to have a go at it as well. How could he entrust it to this ragtag group of people? But he did. He said, right now it's your turn to do this. I'm going to send you out and put this into practice. And okay, they got it wrong a few times. They made a few mistakes. They maybe didn't say the right prayers at the right time. But, you know, Jesus just said, well, come on, let's continue. Let's continue this journey together. And there will be a time when you continue without me. This wasn't easy for them, but they knew that this was essential if they were going to experience life in all its fullness. And what does Jesus see in them? What does Jesus see in us today? He sees, he longs to see open minds and open hearts. People who will get up and follow because that's the call on his life. See, he sees that in you today. And today he knows your name because you've got a badge on at last. He knows what your name is. And so does the person next to you. And so does somebody you haven't met before now. And you don't have to go through the embarrassing thing of asking him what their name is today because you know what their name is today. And he knows what your name is today. 
It's that beautiful verse in Isaiah 43, verse 1. It says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Chris, he who formed you, Rob, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Just say to the person next to you, Jesus has, say their name, and then say, Jesus has called you by name, and you are his. That was quick. Well done. <laughs> I don't know what that does to you. I, I've gone a little bit. Wow, that's amazing. Isn't it? And we need to remember that, you see. You need to remember it when the alarm goes off tomorrow morning. Four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock. Some of you, who cares about setting an alarm? <laughs> I haven't done that for 30 years. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> But remember it, won't you? As you move in to whatever the day has, because he's calling you into tomorrow already and inviting you to join this adventure, the excitement of a new beginning. And then just to reassure them, or, or maybe Jesus was just having a bit of fun. He even gave them a nickname, some of them. It always makes me smile that he would give them nicknames. You, you know, some of them, like James and John, you can find it in Mark 3:17. He called them the sons of thunder. Sounds like a superhero name, don't you think? Before superheroes were invented. The sons of thunder. Wouldn't you love to have that name? The son, the daughter of thunder. You know you're making an impact, don't you, in life when you have that sort of name. Maybe someone you work for or work with calls you that in secret. I'm not quite sure. But it was like James and John. I think it was their Im Im impetuosity, their passion. It just characterized who they were. They were brothers. And, and, and they, they were the ones who wanted to call down fire from heaven to burn up a village that were a bit uh, hesitant about the message of Jesus. I mean, I think that's a great, a great prayer for me. And it also gave them boldness to ask Jesus, can we sit on your right hand and your left hand when you, when, you, when you become the king? I mean, who would dare to ask that of Jesus other than people who are called the sons of thunder? And then Simon, of course. Simon, the one who hears. Do you remember he was given the name Rock? Like some wrestler, wasn't it, from the past? The Rock. Simon was now going to be Petros. Rock. One who hears becomes the rock. And I was reminded as I was thinking about that of Matthew chapter 7 and verse 14. Better not read the wrong verse, that could be critical. There, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on, on rock. The one who hears Simon becomes rock because he has heard the words of Jesus and he's putting them into practice. That's why I think he got his name. Are these names a description of the person or an aspiration maybe? Maybe it's an aspiration. You're going to grow into being the rock. 
And of course, we know the rest of the story of how Peter became the foundation rock of the church as it grew, as we read in Acts as well. I was interested that Peter, James, and John, those three that he gave nicknames to, they were the only three Jesus took to Jairus' house when he healed Jairus' daughter. They were the only three that went up the mountain with him when Jesus was surrounded by a bright light and he was transfigured. They were the only three that went all the way in Gethsemane with him when Jesus went to pray, Mark 14, verse 33. I wonder why. Maybe no reason. Just an interesting fact, maybe. But in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul says that when he, when Paul and Barnabas got to Jerusalem, it was Peter, James, and John who welcomed him there. And Paul writes this in Galatians 2, verse 9. He describes them as influential pillars in the church. The sons of thunder and the rock, influential pillars in the church. And talking of pillars, Mary Magdalene in John chapter 20, verse 1. Magdalene wasn't her surname. Magdalene was like a, a nickname, a title, if you like. And most scholars that I've read would say that Mary, therefore, was from Magdala. That's why she's called Mary Magdalene. But archaeologists haven't even found a place that that matches up to Magdala. And so interesting, well, this is interesting to me. Preachers always say it's interesting, but it only means it's interesting to the preacher. So interesting. another thing I read was that Magdala, uh, there was also Herod the Great. You remember Herod the Great? He was the nasty king. He built three pillars in Jerusalem in, in his palace. He had three pillars, three big tall pillars that everybody could see. They were there when Jesus was, was living as well. And he named these three pillars after his three fav- favorite people. One of them was his brother, one of them was a good friend of his, and the third pillar was named after his favorite wife. He executed her a little bit later, but nevertheless, he named it after his favorite wife, even though she was executed. And it was known as the Pillar of Mary, the Pillar of, of, uh, of, of Miriam in Hebrew. Well, maybe Jesus saw Mary as the tower. Maybe she was Mary the tower, Mary Magdalene, Maybe. Who knows? It's just speculation. But how would it make you feel if not only you had a name, but Jesus gave you a nickname <laughs> that said everything there is to say about you as a follower of his, that spurred you on tomorrow and the next day to continue that journey? I wonder what name he would give you. What name would, would Jesus give you? Do you remember when you first started following Jesus? Do you remember when you first heard that call, come, follow me? I'm guessing many of us here this morning, we were brought up in a church community, a church family perhaps, and it just became like the next step for us. But some of us will remember when it happened. Others of us, it was just gradual. But there was a day, whether it was as a child or whether it was as an adult, when you made a conscious decision to follow him. When you heard his call, began to walk. I wonder what Jesus saw in you that made him want to call you. John chapter 10, verse 3, Jesus says, uh, John writes, he calls his own by sheep. Sorry, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
because Jesus saw something in you. That's why he called you to follow him. And the even better news is he still sees something in you. He still does today. He sees that there is something there that is still the excitement of this following him. And he thinks that the person sat next to you this morning is way more interesting than you think they are. <laughs> In fact, they're way more interesting than they think they are, actually. Because Jesus is interested in you. And he's interested in you today. Not just from that moment when you started to follow him. But today, he calls you, come follow me. Because the call to follow is personal. It's provocative. It's passionate. Because Jesus has a mission, a vision to share with all those who decide to follow him. Yeah, there was a day when Jesus followed. In Philippians chapter 2, we looked at a bit last week, Paul writes to us that we should have the same mindset that Christ Jesus has. We should be of the same character and purpose that Jesus had. And here's what is written in Philippians 2.6. This is the character, the life of Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. As Charles Wesley says, he emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. He got up. He left the glory of heaven. He left his place and came down to be obedient to what God's plans and purposes were in order for us to find life and be invited to follow as well. See, Jesus had a name. And as we sung earlier, it's the name that is above every name. But he too was obedient when the call, when the call was made for a savior. And why did he do it? Why did he do it? He did it so that we would be able to hear his voice, so that we would be able to follow him, and so that, we, that he could continue to shape us into the people that he calls us still to be. And he is totally committed to you still. From the first day that he called you, he hasn't left you. And he's so committed to you that he isn't going to quit on you either. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He who began this in you is committed to seeing it through, if you're committed to seeing it through as well. That excitement of that beginning doesn't need to wane. It still can burn in our hearts today, no matter how long ago or how short a time it was when it first happened. He loves you too much to stop. 
to let you go, to put you in the loft or in the garage <laughs> as another failed project. He's not going to do that. He's going to keep going until he's finished what he started. In John chapter 20, the post-resurrection chapter in John. And Jesus come back to life. Mary had been to the tomb and she came back to the disciples. Told them what had happened. There's a lovely phrase in there where we read about the disciple who Jesus loved. No name. We can make some assumptions about who we think it is, but it's the disciple who Jesus loved. Now that's a great name to have, isn't it? He got to the tomb first, that disciple. It seemed like love outran curiosity that day. It was love that drove him to get there first. And it's love that helps us to find Jesus still. It's love that helps us to find our place in the story. It's love that keeps us in the story. It's love that will keep us to the end. That's how Jesus sees you today. You're the one he loves. And if you're not sure about that, today is the day to reclaim your place, your rightful place, as he's called you to follow One final character I want to talk about today before we finish. You'll find him in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. John writes this account of Nicodemus. His name means, well, Nike means victory and Demas of the people. Victory of the people, his name means. And here's this amazing encounter that John writes about. Just before chapter 3, if you flick back a couple of verses, in John chapter 2, 23, Jesus says, uh, the, John says, Now while, he, while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. He knew what was in each person. So when Nicodemus comes to him at night, Jesus knows what is in Nicodemus' heart. And that's why Jesus entered a conversation with him. He knew what was in his heart. And in the light of that knowledge, he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. 
there's a new beginning for you that can happen tonight, Nicodemus, if only you will accept it. Now, of course, Nicodemus was curious. That's why he went to Jesus. He hadn't really got that love for Jesus that, made him, that would have made him run to the empty tomb. He was curious. He held back. He wasn't sure. But on this occasion, by seeking information, Jesus offered Nicodemus life. See, Jesus, in effect, without saying those words, was, Nicodemus, come and follow me. That's what he was inviting him to. But Nicodemus, on that night, didn't take hold of it. He just went away. But if you follow Nicodemus' story through John, you'll see what began to happen. In John 7.50, you'll see when the council met to discuss Jesus. Who is he? Is he really who he says he is? Can anything good come out of uh, that place? We've never seen a prophet from Galilee. Nicodemus says, you know what, I think we should just wait and see. I think we should give him a chance. Something's begin to happen in Nicodemus' mind about Jesus. Curiosity. And then in Luke chapter 19... In verses 38 to 40, as Jesus is taken off the tomb and he's going to go into the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, we read this, that Nicodemus was the one who went with Joseph of Arimathea to the tomb. And this is what the text says. Bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 35 kilograms, taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of lemon, linen. In strips of linen, the two of them wrapped Jesus up. They wrapped him up with enough spices that would be fit for a king. Do you know what? I think Nicodemus had become a follower of Jesus. It seems that he'd given that answer. He had been born again. He had been born from above. The excitement of this new beginning had captured his imagination. And instead of curiosity, now there was love. And love enabled him to do that one thing on that particular day. This is the good news of the gospel. There's always new beginning opportunities. There's new starts for anyone who is unsure or has turned away. There's new starts for people who've gone down dead ends or no through roads, who have got lost in, on the journey somehow and become a little bit embroiled with other things that are not the call of Jesus on your life. Maybe you've made numerous attempts to start this journey and every one of them seems to have hit a dead end and you've sort of relegated Jesus to the loft or in the back of the garage. But don't do that. Don't confine Jesus Come home. Let him lead you home. Let him capture you again with this call to go and catch people, this vision to follow him. Because he knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your heart. And he calls you by name again today. What did Nicodemus say? Jesus, I believe you're a teacher come from God. Yes, but there's another step that Nicodemus took after that. He learned to love him. Nicodemus said, how can even those with gray hair 
start to follow you. And he said, well, it's okay. Even people with gray hair can start to follow Jesus. Good news. Good news for me. And for some of you as well, I hasten to add. Because the offer is to be born again, to start again, to find the excitement of this beginning, to experience his love and his power, and follow him. It's as simple as that, and as hard as that. But we just have to come and allow him to do what he longs to continue to do, to finish what he started. And that could start today.